This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. Hello, everybody. It's Thursday afternoon, and that means it is time for the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. I am one of your co-hosts, Jack Pelzer, and I'm joined by Dan Hodgman. Dan, how are you doing today? You know what? I am doing spectacular. It was not supposed to be sunny and 65 degrees out, but it is. And uh, so, you know what? I can't complain. Grilled out a little Italian sausage for lunch. Uh, It's a good day all around. That's wonderful. I think I'm going to try. It's like two o'clock right now. So I think I'm going to go and get outside a little bit after this, you know, out of the uh, construction noise, which still plagues my condo. (laughs) Perfect time to be working from home full time. You know, it's just an extra kick in the pants that uh, it's it's going to be one of the coldest next weeks in May ever for, you know, and my, my, my parents were all excited. They were going to have like a socially distanced uh, Mother's Day. And now it's you know, going to be like 40 something degrees and rainy. So uh, we might have to take a rain check on that. I'm sorry, right. mom. <laughs> to remind everyone else out there, it's Mother's Day this Sunday. If you are uh, into celebrating that, uh, just a reminder. And uh, Absolutely. Nothing's open to buy, so eh, I guess it depends on what state you're in. I got some dandelions out front. We can uh, put together a little um, uh, little bouquet of dandelions. Give from the heart. It's always the best. Right? <laughs> it certainly is. Um, speaking of some gifts people earned, it's pretty wild uh, April we had a Top Step Trader. Nice little segue there. I'm always looking in the back of my mind for like a segue that I can throw in. Right, that was awesome. Two hundred forty thousand one hundred twenty-two dollars paid out to funded traders between the futures and FX side. And gosh, that number—it's—it's. I know we keep talking about it. We've at work and how we keep questioning—is this real or not? Um, We keep doing the math, but man, how cool is that? It's super cool because I'm always uh, someone that goes out there, you know, kind of a wet blanket and try and temper people's expectations about what you know what you can reasonably expect to do or perform trading futures and stuff like that but i was the same way i saw that number and i was like yikes that was uh that's a hefty chunk of change it's amazing you know i was looking through it today you know there were guys taking out over twenty thousand dollars in the month of uh month april that's great for them um before there's something else i want to talk to you about dan uh first our guest today is going to be anka metcalf of trade out loud who's in Florida, so that must be nice. We uh, right interviewed about her about uh, three weeks ago. I don't think you know. I don't think we said anything that's going to be radically wrong. Uh, I don't think we predicted negative oil either. But this is know, true. Take some, lose some. I'm super glad I did not get ahead of that uh, freight train. Oh my gosh, the the chances that I almost did were so close. I'm so glad I did not. And I said I got to wait for expiration i'll wait for this thing to roll over i want to see how this roll goes and i'm so glad i did not hop in just too early yeah. patience paid off there for me definitely glad i didn't go in there and trade that roll it's sort of a siren uh call but if you hear that siren call it's going to get you uh knocked up on some rocks so uh beyond Aka, though this week you interviewed one of the traders right dan yes yes i was i was able to sit down with a gentleman named shohan out of new york city and um that was it was a treat. He um, he's in a former he's a Marine Corps veteran as well, just like I am. Um, but not only that, his wife is a nurse in the COVID unit in New York City. Um, they both ended up coming down and getting COVID in the very beginning, and they've thankfully both recovered and very healthy now. Um, and throughout all that, he was able to put on his biggest trade he's ever had. He took a fourteen thousand dollar winner trade in the Euro Aussie pair in the FX side. And uh, he was just ecstatic and he took a nice little payout for himself. And, uh, you know, he's excited to utilize that. And I think uh, it was just a spectacular time getting to sit down with him. Yeah, that's an awesome story. And uh, just for everyone out there too, just because we hear the question sometime, uh, Top Step FX is Top Step Trader. It's the same, it's the same company. Uh, it's not a knockoff or anything like that. It's just <laughs> someone made a decision at some point a while ago, and uh, it's the same thing. We just keep them uh, separated. But you know, trading to some extent is trading. Obviously, you need to know what you're trading. I'm not a big uh, FX guy personally, so 
I'm glad to see someone's taking advantage of it. Absolutely. Well, there, you know, it's awesome. Not just futures, but you know, all markets just around the world right now are so actionable. There's so much opportunity that if you're, you know, anyone out there is thinking about getting back into it, you know, we've started to see volatility at least stabilize a little bit. Um, and every day, doesn't matter if I'm looking at Forex, if I'm looking at futures, um, there are so many great opportunities for what I like to call simple setup trades um, that the market really gives you the answer um, and you're able to take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed a lot of weird stuff sort of um, overnight in the futures market lately. It's uh, There's definitely some you know, people pushing around, testing things out who have been uh, wrong quite a bit recently. I was, uh, it's funny you bring up overnights just in general. Um, I've been watching overnight levels quite a bit throughout my day trading and it's really helped me out. I usually don't pay too, too close attention, but lately it's been a nice little, uh, areas for me to keep an eye on for opportunity. Yeah. It's a very tense environment in the equity index futures right now. Um, especially like today, there's never been more, tension. It's sort of a standoff going on at 2870 or thereabouts for a little while now. We know we're up one point today, I think, in the S&P as we talk, and it's exhilarating. Right. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's funny you bring it up. My, I was just sitting down. I'm looking at the S&Ps and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this thing's just ready to explode. Something's going to happen. I can feel the tension there. It's so much fun. Yeah, it is. And I, you could tell it, obviously, it's reflected in the VIX, but you know, you look at the options premium out there, even just going out to uh, June or there's so much uncertainty with how this opening of uh, the states and stuff is going to go. You go out just a two, three months in the, uh, you know, the S&P uh, options and just huge premium you got to lay down to put any, you know, it's massive. I, I haven't seen anything like it. And so um, obviously over the entire month of April, the people that were betting short got killed and uh, that's why you're, you're in the trading market, not the prediction market, you know. Right. We may have speculation, but our job is to trade what the market's telling us, not uh, not try and make the market do what we want it to do. Yeah. You're not likely to be in the next uh, big short type thing, especially when a lot of people feel that way. So we'll see what happens next there. But um, yeah, we talked to Anka, who uh, started out a big stock person. Yeah, Anka is such a great person to sit down and chat. She's got such a vibrant personality. I, you guys will see it come through in this interview. She is super intelligent, um, and, and she's really found a great niche in this industry. Um, it's always just a special time getting to sit down and chat with her. Yeah, very cool. So uh, we'll go to the interview shortly. Uh, you know, as long as I have you here, though, uh, maybe go check out some of our YouTube videos. Absolutely. We got some great stuff coming out. A lot of bite-sized trading tips. And, um, you know, as always, we're live every morning, 8 a.m. Central Time and 3 p.m. Central Time. We go live every single day. Well, right on. They can get their Dan Hodgman fix. But in the meantime, you can stick around and get your Anka Metcalf fix. I finally <laughs> stuck the landing on that. Uh, yep. Yeah, in this uh, Limit Up interview with Anka Metcalf of Trade Out Loud, we'll see you afterwards. All right. That means we're rolling, and we're here with another interview today, joined once again abroad, which has been the case every day since, uh, I don't know, what month is it now, Dan? April? April. Uh, yes, mid-April. April, mid-April. Mid okay, well, today we are joined by Anka Medcalf, the founder of Trade Out Loud, all the way from where in Florida? Boca Raton, Florida. Gorgeous Boca Raton, Florida. Boca Raton. Yeah, I just got back from Naples a little while ago myself. Uh, haven't been to the East Coast in a while. Is that That's where Boca is, right? That is where I'm at. Yes, we're actually between Miami and West Palm Beach. Right so on. Like 20 minutes, half an hour away from... We're in the center of the action here. Yeah. Sounds awful. I know. Terrible. <laughs> very cold this morning in Chicago. Well, the first question we've been asking everyone is, uh, how have you been doing with the uh, lockdown? Well, I don't think the lockdown affects me personally that much in the sense that I'm uh, an all-day trader. Um, I day trade futures uh, only in the first two hours, and then I swing trade stocks. So I'm usually at the computer until about 4 o'clock. 
Uh, but definitely, you know, it has affected our lives. Like we're not going out, but for me personally, it hasn't affected uh, that much because I had plenty of time right now to work on my classes, to work on some seminars and some projects that I'm very excited to roll once we're out of this quarantine. That's very cool. So for the people listening, when you say trade all day, what does that entail? Um, trade all day means that basically fu the futures market is a 24 hour market and, uh, there's always something happening. So events don't really wait until the market opens at 930. And there are events that are affecting the U.S. market that happen outside of the U.S. market hours. So I basically have my computers, my trading computer on literally all day. I shut it down around 10, 1030 PM Eastern. And then I crack it back up in the morning uh, at eight o'clock. But uh, when I'm talking about all day trading, it's not that I'm a compulsive trader and sitting at the computer just pushing buttons all day long. I'm a very selective trader. I take between one in terms of day trades. I take basically one to about three trades every single day. For instance, today was uh, I was late to the game, so I missed one setup this morning, and that prevented me from jumping into the trades later on in the day. And uh, once with the close of the London session, I pretty much am winding down. It's the beginning of doldrums, and uh, I really am not a, a big fan of the doldrum price action going into 2 o'clock. Things tend to ramp up a little bit into 2 o'clock in the last two final two trading hours of the day. But if I see something uh, developing on a little bit of larger time frame, something that will enable me to not micromanage the trade in the sense that I don't need to be in front of the computer to do that. So I would basically base my trade on a larger time frame, like on a one hour, four hour basis, not necessarily on the small time frames. Because when I trade in the morning, uh, I trade the one minute charts, two minute charts, five minute, 15 minute charts. That is my zip code right there. So I'm literally sitting in front of the computer two hours. I don't take any breaks. I got to make sure that I have everything here, some water, a cup of coffee, whatever I need, just a little snack, because I know that if I'm getting in the trade, in a day trade, I am not leaving the computer. So I am here and staying here mm -hmm. for the duration of the trade so I can uh, trail it properly. So that's something we talk about a lot with our traders is not forcing things in those down periods, in the doldrums, as you call them. I like that phrase. I haven't heard it in a non-shipping sense, but I like that. And um, there is, especially when you have a brand new account or you're getting started trading, there is that devil on your shoulder saying that you just got to be trading all the time. And you, it's just something where you can't force it. Yes, absolutely. And I agree. And I think that the best way to stay away from trades and to develop patience, to wait for the setup, uh, setups to happen, because let's face it, in the futures market, most of the uh, traders are focused on what? They're focused on smaller timeframes and they're focused on indices. Uh, if you were a stock trader, then you have a plethora of stocks. You have about 6,000 stocks that you can choose from. Uh, and you can find a setup every two minutes or every five minutes that is developing. But when you're looking at the futures market, you're looking at only four indices and it takes time for patterns to develop. You have to wait sometimes about 30 minutes, 45 minutes at a time before you have a setup that is fully formed on the time frame that you're looking. So I think that watching, watching, for instance, uh, if I find that in this volatile, we're still trading in a volatile environment. Um, I find that within this volatile environment, it is better to focus more on the five and the 15 minute chart to eliminate some of the noise on the one and the two minute charts. I find that a lot of time setups that are developing on very, very small time frames are very choppy and very whippy and you get those slingshots before the price goes higher or you get the pinch up before the price drops. Very, very difficult to manage a trade like that. That's, that's a great point you bring up, but I'm curious with outside of just the timeframes you're looking at, what else have you had to adjust with these market conditions? Because volatility is extreme. Yes. Great, great question. Uh, I find that the biggest thing that ever came to the futures market are the uh, mini micros. 
uh, definitely the stops have been super wide, super, super wide. The setups are very, very wide. Even if the setup is there, a lot of traders are neglecting to see uh, and to realize that that difference between the entry and where you place your stop is really why like i have seen stops of about 125 points on a two minute or on a five minute chart i mean the setup is there and if you're not paying attention to uh the risk level you can get killed because one trade like that can literally blow up your uh your entire account your daily loss limit your and i think it's very important to position size for your trade uh, and a vol vol volatility brings really wide risks. And along with it, a lot of new traders may not know that it brings asymmetric reward to risk. So every time you're seeing a setup that is developing, again, with a very wide stop, uh, you're going to see very asymmetric targets. So the targets are going to be really small compared to the risk that you're applying. And you have to, actually, when you're day trading in this environment, you have to be really proactive, don't be complacent. So if you're used to sitting in a trade for a longer period of time, it's fine, you know, but if you have to have a management plan in place. I don't think that we're still in a training market, even though we had a really nice pickup from the bottom uh, in the futures indices, I don't think we're there yet. And the market right now is very jittery. I have traded it this morning a little bit and it's, it's kind of toppy a little bit right now. So NASDAQ, a little bit more pressure to the upside. The other three indices were divergent. We're not participating to the rally. So they're a little bit sluggish. So this, this is kind of like uh, an alarm for uh, the market in general that, hey, it may be ready for some kind of change. But uh, again, and I take this market one day at a time. It's very hard for me to predict what's going to happen. And I think it's wrong for the trader. We can forecast based on technical analysis where the price is likely to push, be pushed into what level it may be pushed into or pulled into, but it's very hard to make uh, accurate predictions in terms of markets when we're dealing with volatility and still we're under a lot of pressure. Unemployment numbers came out today, 22 uh, million unemployment claims. Wow. Yeah, just for number. this is Thursday, Thursday, April 16th. You know, these markets are moving so much, it's always good to say when we're talking to them. Um, so just for context, do you exclusively trade the equity indice futures? I do love to focus. I think that 90% of my focus is on the futures indices. And I do trade oil and gold, but not as a day trader. I uh, tend, because they're volatile, they have been ex incredibly volatile. And I have, had, I have had really great success by focusing on one hour and four hour charts and setups with those particular two commodities. Uh, bonds on and off. Uh, I have a love-hated relationship with bonds. Um, <laughs> not my favorite pick. Uh, but hey, I have been in a bonds trade since yesterday, so it's working for me. But again, it, it, it's a higher time frame. And uh, yeah, so sometimes bonds. Sometimes I do look at copper, but these are isolated swing trades that I look at copper, natural gas, uh, under a lot of pressure. I am not a fan of agricultural products. Um, I think that they're just stalling, you know, they don't have a real good pattern like corn and wheat and soybeans. Uh, I tend to look at these markets once a week on Sundays when I do my scanning, but that's, and that's all that I do. I just scan, look at them. It's like, oh, okay. So I move on to my indices. So that's pretty much it. Sure. And there's obviously plenty of movement there. I guess I hadn't been paying attention to, to just how much divergence there's been between the indices. I saw today. And I hope I'm not quoting wrong that the, the NASDAQ might have just turned green for the year. Yep. And uh, meanwhile, the small caps are down 30%. That's wild. Yes. That hasn't happened since uh, back in the, mm -hmm. uh, the tech bubble back in 2000. Exactly. So, yeah. So today, Russell has been uh, relatively weak and uh, NASDAQ has been just powering higher. So, a uh, really amazing move in NASDAQ. And we had Amazon, Netflix with new highs rallying Microsoft very strong. So 
we had some Dow components a little stronger, like UNH that contributed a little bit to the pop. But then again, Russell remain, uh, remains relatively weak. So I'm watching it in particular. This is something that I have been watching since 2018, which was, I know, bizarre, but it was sort of like a market gauge. Um, it was weird in the sense that once Russell, and that was in 2018 when we first had the volatility in February and March, and then it came back into the end of the year in the last quarter, October, November, and boom, December. So I was watching Russell. And once Russell started to turn around and if it started to pull a little bit more, the rest of the indices shortly followed afterwards. So uh, I'm looking at Russell once again as a market gauge right now. I know it's bizarre, but this is what I'm doing. It's the most divergent index that we have. And if Russell is going to start pulling in, I think the rest of the indices are just going to participate to the downside as well. And even the strongest NASDAQ may have a pullback. So I don't know if this is going to be a pullback or if this is going to be another pullback hook and then punched in higher. I think earning season has just started. And I think we're going to get definitely more clues into as we're going into the earnings season. Still very early. We have, what, the third day of, of earnings today. Financials front and center. Financials are not doing that great. So the Yemeni S&P, which is financial rich, is not really participating to the rally. Also, energy stocks are weak. So therefore, the Yemeni S&P doesn't have a reason to, the reason to start propelling. NASDAQ, on the other hand, yeah, it was sort of like the safe haven, right? Because most of these tech companies have their employees working from home. Everything is tech. I mean, Zoom, you know, we're doing a podcast, you know, so... Uh, yeah, I, I think you know a lot of a, a lot of the tech stocks are the safe haven right now. Do you think that a lot of these the possible earnings numbers are already starting to get factored in? The big move to the downside, down S and P's down close to thirty six percent off the highs. Do you think people are already we're already looking ahead? I think it's somewhat expected uh, for the market to price in a little bit of uh, uh, the. Uh, some of the earnings from financials, perhaps. But I think that the market uh, will definitely try to digest and find its own course. Let's not forget, I mean, financials are a big component of the mini S&P, but they're not the whole entire market. I would be interested uh, uh, to see more what the market is going to do uh, longer term uh, to answer your question uh, in about, I would say, at least a month from now. And I know we have been talking about the unemployment numbers that came out today. I wouldn't put a much emphasis on those numbers because it was expected. We're in quarantine. Nobody's working. Not unless you're an essential worker, you're sitting at home and writing this uh, pan uh, pandemic out. Um, so I would say that, yes, we were expected to see those numbers. I think the market today reacted based on the fact that numbers came in and they were a little bit lower than the expected number, the unemployment number. And that's why the market saw it as a positive. Uh, and again, you know, it's an election year. It's the political battle again. Are we going to get more funding? Are we going to get more stimulus? And if Altogether, we're going to get more stimulus if, um, you know, the Democrats are going to sign, you know, further action Then I'm gonna, I'm probably thinking that the market may be heading higher. I mean, the market is infused with so much li liquidity right now, so much liquidity. I mean, it would be it would have been strange to see the market just collapse. Yeah, that's why it's such a uh, jittery market, such a battle right now where we've kind of found this area where I don't know anyone out there who's gung ho all in one way or the other. There's, you know, even arguments on both sides. So yes. I, I am ultra fascinated at what's going to happen, as you said, in the next month or so. You know, even on the NASDAQ, we see certain things that are concerning as far as I, I obviously the reason people are flooding to the NASDAQ stocks is, as you put, they're seemingly more insulated from this because they're not a manufacturer or the, the Russell's getting killed because there'll be this default risk. But the advertising dollars for a lot of the big guys are getting killed. And, uh, you know, Google or Facebook, like it'll be very interesting to uh, see if 
this eventually comes around for the, for tech stocks just in general. I think it will too. And I think I look at a couple of them right now, you know, you look at Lyft and, and Uber, those are struggling. They are struggling really bad. I know they're taking some stimulus from the government to keep drivers paid a little bit, but those are the companies that if this if and when this whole pandemic, we can get back on track. Those are the companies that I think are going to actually start to lift these markets up really well, because I'll be honest with you, you're going to have a hard time finding me just hopping into a random cab or driving the bus when I can just for a couple extra dollars, get in an Uber and take it myself, not share with other people and at least feel somewhat sanitized. So I think stocks like that are going to end up doing really well if they can hold out through this. Absolutely. I, I, have confidence that once we're going to lift the quarantine, everything is going to get into a somewhat normal. And uh, it, it's not like we're going to open, you know, everything up. It's going to be like a slow open. And I think that once uh, the consumer is going to gain confidence, like you said, in Uber and Lyft, they're going to go towards the safest route and it's going to take a little bit more time, but people are anxious to get out. I mean, look what's happening in, in my state, in Michigan. People are so anxious <laughs> right now. Like they don't want to be quarantined anymore. So yeah, but I think it's for the good of the people uh, to keep the social distancing and, you know, try to be safe. Safe is better than sorry. Couldn't argue that. Yeah, there's, there's been a lot of talk where the, um, I mean, basically, the uh, public health aspect of this and the economic aspect, they're, they're just linked. You know, even if we start trying to be pushed too hard right now, it's just probably not going to work. So I think, I think we'll get to some agreement at some point on that. Um, to, to circle back, and maybe we'll talk some more about this at the end, but just so the people out there, we haven't given too much background on you, Anka, yet. Uh, I understand you were in iBanking for a decade. How was that? What were you doing there? I was I was actually on the investing side and I was doing a little bit of investing of my own. So I cannot say that I was exposed to technical analysis because everything was fundamental. And uh, once uh, you know, I made the decision, you know what? I just have to do it for myself and I have to trade on my own because I was looking, I was looking more and more on the markets and I, you know, working in the financial industry is very challenging. You work very long hours. I had a very long commute when I was in uh, working in Michigan and it took me about an hour and a half to go to work. So I spent about three hours in traffic on the happy 696. And uh, so I decided, you know what, I I'm done. You know, I, I want to try and see if I can make it as a day trader. So uh, that was my first thought because income producing, income producing is day trading. You get in and out at the same, in the same, within the same day and you have access to your cash. And this, this to me was number one. Uh, the second thing was that, yes, I'm going to try to build my, let's say my nest egg with swing trading and active investing. But uh, when I started to do everything was just before 2008. And then 2008 came and I took a hit on my investments. And then I realized that my day portfolio was actually sustaining my long-term money. So that is when I had, I pushed really hard and I wasn't a futures trader to begin with. So when I started day trading, because um, um, on the investing side, you mostly invest in stocks. Um, I was, uh, I was day trading stocks and I was day trading stocks like, like a maniac. So I was like from eight, I'm, I'm telling you. So from the market open, I was like on the buttons, like buy, sell, buy, sell all day long till four o'clock. And then I decided, you know what? And I realized that there is one common denominator in what I was doing. So every time you picked, uh, you pick a stock. You have to do a really thorough market analysis of market indices. So you're looking at the Qs, you're looking at the SPIs, the Dow. And basically, I was looking all the time at the futures indices, at the activity in the overnight, the levels from the overnight. And then I decided, you know what? I should only trade the ETFs, right? The Qs and the SPIs. And then after another month, it's like, wait a minute. I could get more leverage. I can make more money with less money. 
trading futures. So to me, like, was a huge light bulb. I'm like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. And this actually was happened about seven years ago when I went full throttle, a hundred percent day trading. I ditched the stocks and I went full throttle in futures trading. The quest for leverage is always uh, a defining path at the beginning of trading. And the power, and the power. So you're using less buying power and you're making 10 times more than you're making uh, when you're trading the queues, right? So when you're having a move in the queues, let's say you move uh, you move a, a 50 cent move, which is pretty consistent move for a day trader. Uh, you're making with this, with let's say with $10,000 in buying power, you are making about $50. But if you're making 50 points in NASDAQ, that's what, $2,000, right? In the same amount of time, using the same strategies, using the same charts. So for me, it was a no brainer. So I had to figure it out myself. So yeah. Uh, futures is the way to go. I wouldn't look back. I agree. You'll find that as a, uh, I think Dan and I would both agree with that. Uh, both futures guys. So you said you were just trading all the time to start. Uh, what made you sort of reconsider that? Was it when you transferred into futures right away yes. or cool? Yes, exactly. So when I was day trading stocks, I was day trading in the first two hours and then uh, I used to shift my time frame because I noticed that if I maintain the same time frame in the morning and if I maintain the same time frame that I traded in the morning and the afternoon trading session, I would get stopped out all the time. So I had to review my whole entire strategy. So now what I do and I, I teach all the traders that, you know, and pretty much, you know, come to me or shoot me an email, say, hey, what is your preferred time frame? I'm like, I don't have a preferred time frame, but I could tell you what I'm doing. So in the morning, you have more odds of having a much better success. If you're trading, let's say the two, five minutes, these are in exactly when the market opens, you let it shuffle, reshuffle, and then you try to wait and find for the setup. Uh, I don't trade before the market opens and your trading session opens. I like that influx because there's always that whip. There's always that fleecing. I don't like fleecing. I like calm markets. I like exact, even if they're volatile, but I want really nice structured kind of setups to act on because to me, it's very important to have a defined entry, defined risk level and defined targets. And if I don't have that, then I don't trade. That's why I'm so selective in my, in my trading. But to, uh, uh, to circle back to the time frames, So I like to focus on the two and the five minute right when the market opens. As I'm going into 10 o'clock, I like to cut some of the noise that is from the one, two minute. And I tend to focus more on the five and 15. And then starting with 1030, I love to focus on the 15 minute chart from that point on all the way until about, let's say two o'clock or 215. And then after 215, I may go back to the five minute. Uh, or maybe if we're having a trending day, I evaluate the trend and maybe on the two minute, but two minutes is not going to be an option. Uh, anymore. So when the market opens, smaller time frames, uh, as you're going into large, zoom out as much as you can, 15 minutes, even 30 minutes, because these two time frames are going to keep you in the game. If you don't want to fleece out of the trade, if you don't want often stop outs, higher time frames are the way to go. And, and that's because I'm trying to capture the high velocity moves. Uh, and uh, this helped me stay in the game. Yeah, I think that your the charts you're looking at should be sometimes proportional to sort of the duration of the trade that you're looking at. So I can see using a shorter one definitely on the open when things are moving quicker. How long were you uh, doing this full time before you got into uh, mentoring and helping people out who are learning the trade? I was doing it for about 10 years. And after 10 years, uh, I, like I said, I was a day trader back in 2008 before 2008, I was day trading since 2003 on, you know, my own accounts. And starting with 2008, when I saw that my investment account took a hit, I realized that I was actually afloat because of my day trading. So I, the equivalent of the losses I recuperated from day trading. So that is when I realized that day trading is uh, something that can really uh, uh, help uh, you know, um, I would say balance out your portfolio. So if you're, you know, a, um, you know, a stay at home, let's say, or part-time trader, part, yeah, part-time trader. So you have a full, a part-time job, you could definitely look at this. But to answer your question, 
I uh, realized that I forgot your question. Oh, it's fine. I was asking. But, well, first <laughs> off, I want to say that that's a very good point, Anka. About I, I was actually <laughs> losing my train because I was uh, loved what you said about it being a part of your portfolio, and I can't recommend enough that uh, day trading is risky and a part of your uh, the riskiest part of your portfolio, that's what you should be using to do it. If it's all your money and you are depending on it, you know, for your next uh, paycheck or stuff like that, that's a bad mindset to be in when you're making trades. And uh, to get back to what I was asking was, uh, when did you start taking on people to uh, mentor them or start coaching? Okay. So uh, it happened after 2008. 2008, everybody uh, was hit by the financial crisis. And uh, a lot of my friends were losing their money and uh, in their longer term uh, longer term accounts. Uh, they were doing some tradings on their own. Uh, they were listening to water cooler discussions, you know, on different outlets. Uh, and that's not the way to trade. So I realized that I was able to save my portfolio and I was sharing my trading uh, ideas with uh, my friends. And because I was in Detroit at the time, a lot of my friends were working for big uh, auto companies um, like GM and Ford and Chrysler. And uh, they were speaking about me at work. So uh, that's how we pretty much set up kind of like a Skype group where we would meet every week and I would do a market review of what I see in the market and with some trading opportunities. And they said, hey, you know what? We would like to trade as well with you. Can you guide us? And they brought different kinds of stocks and everything. So the, first off, actually, the first product that I came out with, believe it or not, was a trading plan because Everybody wanted to fast forward. Nobody wanted, nobody had the time to become educated. Everything was under pressure. Companies were going out of business. You guys, I don't know if you guys remember Circuit City, Linen and things. Every, everything was going bankrupt. It was just terrible what it was happening. So there was a lot of fear and I saw a lot of opportunities in the market. I remember a stock uh, trading this day. It's uh, XM Radio, Series Satellite, sure. and that stock got crushed to about 15 cents or so. I picked it up at 20 cents, and I got out when it was about $7, and it was a phenomenal move for that. And we found these stocks that with literally very little investment, I called them baby stocks, uh, back then, they were a great bargain because at the time, let's face it, we didn't have we didn't have that other satellite radio. There was no competitor, and we had OnStar and all the American vehicles, right? And the all U.S. vehicles. I mean, what were they going to do? It was obvious that there was going to be some kind of deal with Sirius Satellite. We're not just going to let it bankrupt, go bankrupt. But surely enough, right after that. And, and the examples are on and on, like uh, J.B. Hunt. You know, there were a lot of examples that stocks that were $4, $5, et cetera, they started Best Buy, et cetera. These were, uh, these were um, the lifesaver, and we made a lot of money in those. So that's how I got started. I started educa uh, educating individuals towards a recession-proof skill because this is a recession-proof skill, and the sooner you learn it, the better it is. Because you have no idea if a recession is going to hit in five years or 10 years or 20 years or may not hit throughout your lifetime. But you're protecting. I mean, we're fortunate. I'm sitting at home and making money and I feel like I'm feeling guilty for making money because I know a lot of individuals may not have a job to return to after this quarantine. So how awesome would it would have been if they... And, and if some of the, uh, some of these individuals would have taken care of their, uh, of their financial, uh, of their financial situation. I mean, you don't need to have a lot of money in order to start making money. I mean, you guys, top step. Oh my God. One of the reasons a lot of traders fail is because they, they blow up their accounts and they don't have any more capital. You know, I mean, this is a blessing with top step. I, and I'm serious about this. And, you know, and, and bottom line is that, you know, once you put in a little bit of effort because you're not going to learn, you know, you're, you're not going to make a killing in your first month or maybe in your first three months, 
but you're getting there. You're getting exposed to the market, to different market conditions. I remember when I had a lot of mentors through my trading career and I continue to be mentored and I love being mentored. I have uh, uh, psychology classes and, you know, I'm coached to psychologically, you know, handle the trades and the pressure. So I do have a performance coach uh, by my side. You know, I do it once a month and that's really great. Uh, but I, you know, my mentor used to tell me that, Hey, you're going to be a complete trader. And that is for the day trading portion of it because I needed the mentoring for day trading. Everybody does. And my mentor used to tell me, Hey, you know what? Uh, you're good now, but you're just going to get better. And you're going to be a complete trader in three years. And I'm like, I've got this. I was already making money, you know, but as with any trader, you know, once you're getting so comfortable in, into a strategy or, um, into a system that, uh, it becomes boring, but you are making money, but it becomes boring. You're looking for the next best thing. And guess what? I literally fell into uh, the trap of finding that little shiny glittery indicator back then. And I've tried it and I stumbled and fell and stumbled and fell three to four times before in about three to four months. Uh, so I wasn't progressing. I stalled my progress. And until I realized I have to ditch everything and go back to my old system. So, yeah, I think that the, the shortest route is the simplest route. You don't need a lot of, you know, funny indicators. You know, price action is king in my book. I just wanted to circle back to something you were talking about. You know, you, you got started um, mentoring people back in 08. Obviously, I'm not going to say we're in a, the same situation, but we're something similar right now. What are some of the correlations that you're seeing that bring you back to that 08 time frame? It's the fear of not having uh, the job. I wouldn't say necessarily the job security, but it is so amazing when you have a skill that can step in and can say, hey, you know what? I lost my job, but I can sit here and I can start, uh, you know, I can trade. Uh, some of the similarities were uh, some of the similarities in trading is definitely volatility. So I'm used to volatility. I have traded the Brexit uh, through Brexit, through China, through the oil crisis. I've traded through so much volatility that I know how to handle it. But as a new trader, this is something that you want to be aware of. And this is one similarity to the 2008. Obviously, to me, this is a, a different uh, and it is totally different because right now this is a pandemic situation. And back then we had a financial crisis. I don't know if this is going uh, to transform into a financial crisis. It depends on, you know, how much money is being injected in the market. It depends on when the economy is going to open. How is the economy going to uh, react? How are going to be the future unemployment numbers? How are the GDP numbers going to look? Because Here's the thing with GDP. You get two GDP number, you get two months of, uh, of negative GDP numbers and poof, you're in recession. This is the formula for the recession. And, uh, then the next month, if you're plateauing with the GDP or you're getting a little bit improved GDP. So when people are starting to talk about recession, the odds are we're already outside of the recession. So you have to think forward. So again, the recession is something that can stay. A little bit longer depends on those GDP numbers, or you can snap very easily out of it. Uh, the way the market is structured right now, I mean, I would be tempted to say that we're going to snap back up. Uh, I don't know if we're going to go right into the highs, but we're not that far. I'm looking at Nasdaq right now, like we're not that far away. You're not. Yeah, I mean, Powell uh, has really taken some decisive action. Which you know, some of that was a little bit of a problem back in the financial crisis. Is uh, you know. This is obviously unprecedented, but um, it seems like everyone's pretty much on the same page to varying degrees of how we're going to fix it. No one's really taking this lightly. So I'm confident as well. It's just a matter of how long it will go. I mean, if if it ends up being uh, until there's a vaccine, that could be a problem for a lot of companies. But then again, it's not the same sort of moral hazard where we want to see companies punished and out of business for this. So it could, it's a whole different ballgame. 
Yeah, and I agree. I think that the vaccine is not the answer here because if you think about it, you know, what does a vaccine do, right? So a vaccine from the medical standpoint is not going to let individuals develop the virus uh, as much as an individual that is unvaccinated would. Uh, and also the other thing is that it improves your immunity a little bit, but let's face it. How did anybody do a research on the individuals that have died this year alone from the regular flu? And how many of those individuals were actually, uh, actually received a vaccine? I mean, to me, I think the vaccine is not the answer. Uh, the, uh, the, the real answer is this social distancing and let it go on. The vaccine is going to come, but I, I, I wouldn't wait for a vaccine necessarily, uh, to, uh, to hit the market and say, wow, I got the vaccine. I mean, we don't know what the side effects are. I mean, we don't know how efficient that vaccine is going to be. What if there is another mutation? Uh, into this virus. I mean, there are so many unknowns and that vaccine is not going to cover that. So I think that there are definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of unknowns, but I don't think the vaccine is the answer. I think we're going to try to have a good, um, you know, management on the extent of, uh, uh, of the spread. And once we have that curb, uh, uh, that is decline, downtrending <laughs> to speak. <laughs> We need to have a downtrending. And once it's downtrending, you know, I think that maybe we may be ready to open some businesses. But yeah, I agree. The businesses are being punished right now. Uh, but I think at the same time, we don't want, uh, we really don't want a catastrophe to happen. Absolutely. Wisconsin, as we sit here, Wisconsin just went May 24th. So they're the longest or the furthest out as we sit here today. So they're, you know, states are definitely taking it serious, just locking things down. But again, it all comes back to how's that going to affect the markets? How's that going to affect this economy? In the meantime, those will be all sorts of new catalysts to be looking at. There's just a ton of stuff, obviously, that's going to be happening in the market. So it's a, a really great time to uh, be involved. Well, it's, let me caveat. It's a terrible time. <laughs> I think we, got, we, we all agree with that. This is not good at all. Um, speaking strictly for equity indices, it's a good time to be in the market as far as looking forward to events that you can trade around. Um, because, hey, as we're all going to be locked up here anyway, is might as well make something good of it. So, uh, Absolutely. yeah, well, Anka, thank you so much. Uh, we want to tell everyone who's listening that they can find you at uh, Trade Out Loud. Is that, is, that, is that just tradeoutloud.com? Yes, tradeoutloud.com. Excellent. And uh, you, you go there, you can learn more about um, well, maybe you could tell it better. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Anka. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we are a trading education company that is specialized in educating individuals how to day trade and swing trade the futures and the equities market. Uh, I uh, trade every single day. I run a trading room and I trade every single day for about two and a half hours in the morning uh, from nine o'clock, let's say to uh, 12 o'clock, but my niche is, t uh, is around 9.30 to about 11.30. Uh, I trade every day. I don't trade economic releases. I'm not a gambler in the market, so I'm a very conservative trader. Uh, and also swing trade stocks is something that I wasn't able to pull myself enough from, so I still have the love for stocks. And uh, just visit us on uh, tradeyellow.com to find out more about us. So thank you so much for having me. I super respect anyone that'll go on uh, camera and trade like that. That's uh, yeah, my nightmare. But uh, <laughs> so happy you were to do it. Thanks. It was an absolute joy having you here. Uh, stay safe and uh, have a wonderful rest. I guess this will come out on a Thursday. So to everyone out there, have a nice weekend. And uh, Anka, thanks again. It was a joy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me and happy trading. Happy trading, everyone. And we'll talk to everyone else right after this break. Everybody out there, thank you so much for making it all the way to the bitter end of this podcast. Ha. Huh. It's the end of the podcast. But you made it. So that's a good for thing. Or just this episode. Oh, just this no, episode. Yeah, just this episode. <laughs> the podcast is doing fine. We've actually... Uh, 
April we had a big month. April is our biggest month for downloads, which is great because the industry overall podcast, not trading, is down like 10, 20% in that regard. And I think it's because um, people are super interested in the markets right now and get involved. There's, um, you know, I hope people are doing it safely out there. You know, I, I'm hesitant to sometimes applaud moments where like, oh, everyone's getting in there. You got to get in there now. I mean, that's, right. that's a recipe for disaster. Speaking of, with all those new, uh, all the new listeners out there, make sure you guys rate, subscribe, let us know what you think. Give us a little feedback too. Would always appreciate that. Yeah, you can do that or give us uh, heckling, as Hogue would say. Yeah, Hogue loves a good heckle. Yeah, but you got to have some uh, emotional intelligence there. You know, know the difference between a heckle and what could be construed as a threat. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, especially in any sort of uh, internet forum, that line can be blurred. So, you know, we can take it, but, you know, be a nice person, you know. <laughs> be nice to us. Yeah, so uh, we'll be back next week where I think it'll be a brand new interview for once. We'll be interviewing yep. um, an options man, Kirk, and I have to go back, Dupreece. I, I wasn't even going to attempt to say the last name. I will say, we're interviewing Kirk from uh, Options Alpha, so that's going to be great. Love to talk about some different asset classes. Always a pleasure. But in the meantime, you know, it's almost the weekend, so uh, check out our Top Step cocktail book we released last week, and uh, make yourself a drink if that's your thing. Uh, don't want to send anyone on a bad path either, or if you're underage. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, see, I see the demographics for who listens to this, and there are people that uh, might in the United States be underage. So, so only drink if you're 21 and over in the United States. That is true. Um, yeah, but. If you're older, absolutely enjoy it, and we'll catch you next week. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Namaste, and trade well. The Limit Up Podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.